Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for today comes from the ninth chapter of Genesis, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living thing that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the, bow is, and the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again be, become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is a sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, a few years ago when I was back home um, in Michigan, uh, my husband Daniel and I decided to take a day trip to Grand Rapids and we went to the Grand Rapids Public Museum. And there was an exhibit there, it was a fascinating exhibit on basically mid-century modern design in Michigan. And so it was kind of um, basically about how the state contributed to the mid-century design movement of that era. And so we saw furniture that had been designed by Charles and Ray Eames, um, who made, who designed these awesomely gorgeous looking furniture for Herman Miller, which is a Michigan-based company. And we also saw the, the architecture of the General Motors Tech Center in Warren, a very kind of futuristic building built in the late 50s, and it kind of showed the forward-thinking nature of General Motors at that time. The mid-century modern architecture and design was definitely an optimistic take on life, and that made sense. It took place right in the aftermath of World War II. So in the 50s and 60s, people were looking ahead towards a future away from the misery of war into something better. And one of the ways, another way that that was expressed was in science. And that was expressed in something called the International Geophysical Year, or IGY. And that took place between 1957 and 1958. And 
scientists from the East and the West came together after maybe a decade away and were able to cooperate together on various projects. A lot of the things that took place during that uh, year, in 1957 and 58, still have an effect today, 60 or almost 70 years later. One of the things that came out of that was Sputnik and then later Explorer. The, the two satellites that, that kind of began the space race between the USSR and the United States. Now, the, the Inter International Geophysical Year had even its place in pop culture. In 1982, Donald Fagan, who is one half of the 70s um, rock duo Steely Dan, came out with a solo album. And it, the song, and it came out with a song that took, that looked at the International Geophysical Year called IGY. And it seemed like he painted this very positive future. It was a future with high-speed rail, with spandex jackets, solar power, and so on. And he says this in this, and even the music is just very cheerful and bright. And he says this in the chorus over and over. What a beautiful world this will be. What a glorious time to be free. What a beautiful world this will be. What a glorious time to be free. It seems like a wonderful future, doesn't it? Except Fagan wasn't writing to praise the International Geophysical Year. He was actually critiquing it. He was not talking about this in, in a very positive way. He was looking at this and how things turned out. Because while everyone was optimistic in the 50s, Fagan was looking back at that time from 1982. He was looking back from the future, and the future didn't look so great to him. But that is all what optimism is about. Optimism looks at the future from the present. So if you look about the present, you can make an extrapolation about the future. And the scientists of 1958 saw the future in light of 1958. Now, hope is very different from optimism. The theologian Miroslav Volf says that instead of extrapolating from the present, hope is about a future that has nothing to do with the present. He quotes Emily Dickinson by saying that hope is a thing with feathers, something that comes from the outside. Hope is not what we think the future will be, but it is a dream of what the future can be. The way that our culture looks at today's text of Noah and the Ark is in many ways very optimistic. We have a very Sunday school image of Noah and the Ark. There is this picture of the Ark. Noah is happy. The animals are happy. Everyone is happy. It's a bucolic scene, but kind of like Donald Fagan's song, everything in reality is not so happy. Think about it. When the waters recede from a flood, everything is in disarray. And in this passage, the waters have just receded. 
The ark has settled on newly dry land. And the survivors, Noah's family, get off the ark and they probably look incredibly disheveled. And they probably don't smell so well because, of course, they were living with animals. All around them is death. There are dead humans, there are dead animals, all rotting all over the place. This is not a hopeful, this is not a very optimistic scene. And in, but in the midst of all of this, God tells Noah and his family that God will never again destroy all of creation with floodwaters. And as a reminder, God creates a rainbow. And this is the reminder of God's promise. God flooded the earth because of the sin of the people. And God chose to not do that again. Now, that did not mean that people stopped sinning. In fact, they did, and they even did worse. But this rainbow was a symbol of hope. The world, as I said, would not get better. And for Noah and his family, the future was uncertain, if not bleak. But Noah and his family knew that if they looked at the rainbow in the clouds, they knew God had not given up on creation. And God did not give up. In fact, the rainbow was a sign that God was working on a way to repair the relationship between creation and God. Now, we live in a time that is not very different from when Noah and his family got off the ark. We live in a time when death is all around. We are close to nearly half a million people dead in the United States because of COVID. And there are millions more that have become sick with the virus. And many of those people will deal with the effects of COVID for years and maybe decades to come. And we saw that horrible image of police officer Derek Chauvin as he placed his knee on George Floyd's neck and literally squeezed the life out of him. And even more recently, we have seen the pictures, the disturbing pictures of people mobbing the Capitol. And as a result, five people lost their lives. There is death and there is decay all around. But we follow a God of hope. God has not given up on us. The sign of hope for us it's just as odd as it would be for Noah and his family to see a rainbow. And that sign is a cross. It is on this instrument of death that we have our hope. Salvation comes from Christ crucified. Now, hope is very different from optimism. The Sunday school version of Noah and the ark is an optimistic picture. It is looking at some perfect present and looking into a perfect future. But the real version is one of hope. Hope because to believe things will be better, you have to believe that that hope is coming from someplace else, from someplace that is not now. Hope is about being patient and enduring, knowing that change can come like a bird sitting in the window chirping a song and lighting the mood of everyone else inside. Miroslav Volf closes an essay that he wrote on hope. 
for Yale Seminary Magazine in the fall of 2020 by saying this about hope. Our salvation lies in hope, but not in hope that it insists on the future good it has imagined, but in hope ready to rejoice in the kind of good that actually comes our way. The God who creates out of nothing, the God who makes the dead alive, the God of the original beginning of all things, the God of new beginnings justifies hope that is otherwise unjustifiable. When, God, when that God makes a promise, we can hope. In these uncertain times, we can have hope. We don't have to have the, the optimism to live in a spandex world as Donald Fagan lampooned. We have hope in a rainbow and ultimately in a cross. Emily Dickinson is right. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without words and never stops at all. That is something to look forward to. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.